All right, hey man, welcome to episode one of Next on the Platform. Uh, today we're with Aiden Roder. That's right. Is that how you pronounce the last name? Uh, we go by Raider, but Raider. We're not like hundred percent sure. If that's okay. All right. Well, yeah. ju- um, so just before we get started, um, you just posted on Instagram just so that people get an idea. What was your top set today on uh, deadlifts? So it was a uh, double at seven and a half paused. And the goal for the session was 650. The week before I took 633. And the week before that I took 617. So it was just seven and a half kilogram jumps. And I took 650. And I was like, okay, maybe that was a seven. So let's go uh, 300 kilos, uh, 661. And that was probably like an eight. So that's fine. I, mean, I can go over So a paused. Yeah. A pause double, pause double at 300 kilos, and it was uh, eight? RPA? Yeah, I'd say it was eight. Man, that's insane, man. Um, I thought, I saw yeah. it, I saw it, and I was like, that, that is perfect, perfect timing. We can talk about that. Um, other than that, sort of just introduce yourself. Uh, I'm sure everyone, everyone who knows, everyone who sees this will know you, but... Like, where did it all start? How long you been powerlifting? That sort of thing. I see. Where, where did it all start? Well, um, I was a really, really skinny, nerdy little kid coming into high school. Um, I had done sports my entire life, but uh, I, I kind of, I was just like a little nerdy kid I, and would wear like a, a sweater vesting glasses to school um pretty much all my life uh but um i started getting picked on uh because i was kind of unathletic and uh in general i was pretty bad at sports uh it it wasn't really until i found track and field that i started taking athletics seriously and i kind of liked track and field because it was a solo sport uh, it was just it was just myself i was just solely improving myself which kind of ties to par- probably why i really powerlifting is because I'm, it's all dependent on yep the yep. individual um yeah um, yeah so the first how time I went to a weight room was for okay for athlete for track what are you saying first time you went yeah, to yeah, a weight room for track, track. And, was- and you guys have yeah. i know because we're in australia we don't at high school and that we don't have a like we have a gym but it's strictly like football players um they get trained there by some teacher who's got maybe not even a qualification in strength and conditioning so we we obviously weren't allowed to go in there um and it was just like all the basic stuff but i know in america you guys have or at least in some places you can train like during lunch and with in class and that sort of thing is that is that right um, yeah, for a while, um, when I, I started really getting into, uh, like strength training, powerlifting, uh, during gym class, we had like an, uh, there was an option to take like a, uh, a gym class that was like more about serious weight training. And if like the gym, t- the gym teacher would give everyone like a program, but if you're like more experienced, uh, that, that specific gym teacher, there was some teachers that was really, really strict on, you know, it, but, uh. 
the one that I had was a little bit more lenient and just let me do whatever I want. It was like a 45 minute gym class, but basically I get half my workout done in that period of time. Yeah. And at that point when you were doing that, were you training convenient because I, sorry, man, I spoke over you. It's a little bit laggy. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, I, I think it was probably like, right. That was probably junior year, either during or after football. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, so you trained at school. Yeah, I played football. Yeah, year. and you mean NFL, right? By football. Yeah, yeah, uh, American football. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Wait, we've got a few. Like, like, not in the NFL. Yeah. No. Obviously. Sorry. I mean American football. I know because when we say football, there's like league, union afl and then obviously soccer if you call it football so i'm um, yeah when you say football it's confusing <laughs> um so how long did you do track for before you got into powerlifting oh uh so i, I had done track uh since eighth grade so since i was like 12 years old uh and before i started like really so i started strength i started lifting to get bigger when I was like 14. But when I started, like when I started really strength training, strength training was maybe like 15, 16. And I started really powerlifting at like 17, 17. Does that make sense? So, so about three or four years of proper like strength training you're saying? Um, about that time? No, no proper, but yeah, just, just like football strength. Training. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. A, f a couple people like, I coach a few guys and one of them asked me, they sort of like, how long can I expect to like, based off where I am now, what sort of timeline am I looking at to get to say where I am or maybe where you are? Um, where did you like when, if you can remember when you first got into a gym, what, like what sort of numbers, what sort of numbers were you putting up? Um, well, when I very first started benching, um i probably like went into the gym and like failed 95 pounds if i remember yeah or it was like really really hard um and this was on when i was like 15 maybe like 120 pounds um squat i think i did like 185 for like a few sets of four um like with with box squats though yeah like real squats um and then I tried doing 225 for a triple conventional because I mean, like, it was just, I just deadlifted. Um, I didn't even know about sumo at that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. And that was in gym class. And I, it was with such bad form and so difficult that I, I couldn't get out of bed for like two days. Mm. I, I, I seriously had to skip school for two days. I saw I saw a video of my first like 120 kilo or something like that deadlift and because you just reminded me of it when you said you couldn't get out of bed um I'll try to put it up on the screen a screenshot of my first two red pull it was the worst like just horrific and I mean it's funny to look back at the start I'm sure you, it, you were sort of the same look back at like the very first few lifts if you have it on camera and sort of just laugh about it, like the, the technique and just what I was wearing and that everything was just, it's horrific. It's so embarrassing looking back. Yeah, it make, makes you cringe. And by, by, two, uh, by 225, I meant 
uh, pounds, not kilos, like 105. Yeah, I think that's 100 kilos. Yeah, yeah, no, I understood that. So you at 180. Yeah. So that's the sort of like pretty pretty general baseline. I think like anyone who started strength training would probably put those numbers up. Like that's, I mean, maybe not the 100 kilo for a triple deadlift straight away, but like that's pretty. Like at that point, you didn't you didn't walk in there and put up some stupid amount of weight straight away. Like you started sort of where everyone else starts. Yeah, I wasn't like special. So, other than track, um, when did you? So, when would you say you first got into powerlifting? You said, fit, like strength training, 15, 16 years old. You're 19 now, right? So it's been maybe three years. Yeah. So when I first really started powerlifting was um, my after junior year of football is when I really like I started I started running like videos and I started running know like uh 531 stuff like that you know those beginner strength programs really or intermediate strength you know beginner to intermediate strength programs um that's when i i'd consider that i really started powerlifting was after my junior year of track because junior year of track you know i focused on track and then afterwards i was like right back into strength and was there was there much of a carryover from sprinting to say like squatting or did you notice like probably was um i probably had a better baseline yeah um squatting and just ha- develop i think uh having de- developed leg my legs for years probably gave me a head start yeah yeah because i see like i noticed like um for example nfl uh, not nfl but american football a lot of a lot of lifters come from american football i know um joey flex came from i think came from american football and um i just i think that sort of sport where i assume uh strength training is like quite a big part of it and i haven't played sport um that competitively at that level um but i'd imagine that sort of what you came from was i guess harder since it was track and um too much strength training with track is probably counterintuitive so coming from that um do you think that would be maybe harder or easier than say football if you had kept doing football up until that point um what do you mean Uh, oh so sorry yeah so would you have said would you think that coming from football would probably be easier than coming from like track like you did like over to powerlifting would it have been I don't, I don't think one uh, is really a bigger carryover than another. I think the biggest thing I got from doing sports would really just be body awareness and overall work capacity and how much I can handle because yeah. they make you work a lot. So um, I could handle a lot of volume initially. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. That was one of the things I was going to talk to you about. Um, oh, we'll talk about it later on, but the volume capacity um coming from for example with me coming from never lifting to almost straight into powerlifting i had no idea how much i could handle and then it took me and my coach quite a while to sort of figure out um 
my sort of volume capacity. Whereas I think if you come from a sports background with maybe training twice a week in the gym, you sort of have an idea what you can handle. Um, and that maybe makes it easier coming over to powerlifting. Um, um, what I wanted to ask you about was on this topic, your first experiences as a lifter and sort of like mistakes that you made, because obviously, um, any teenager powerlifting right now probably knows who you are, looks up to you. I mean, there's not many teenagers, um, that are stronger than you. So I thought maybe like some mistakes you made, um, I know starting out, like you said, technique, obviously a big thing. Uh, what do you think your biggest mistakes were? Probably the biggest mistakes, uh, well, in the very, very beginning, um, I wasn't eating enough. Um, that, that might be a big mistake. I, I was like really, really just focused on like, I, 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 I did not have a very good grasp on what good nutrition was. Uh, at least I thought it was like eat healthy and, but I was like eating so healthy that I was like barely getting any calories in. If that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so that's one mistake but that was like really early that's that was like when i very very first started um i figured it out very quickly that i need to eat a lot more um um maybe just program hopping i think yeah um <laughs> yeah that's I I a little bit too much of program yeah it's funny um the two things you I, mentioned all progress for a while so I yeah, the, the two things you mentioned, it's funny that you said that because um, the eating and the program hopping, like I see people, for example, like I'm not going to name anyone, but like I'll see someone put on their story, I haven't eaten in 17 hours, like I didn't even realize, like these are strong dudes as well. And it's like, oh, I missed like four meals, I'm not even hungry. And I'm like, I don't understand. And these are strong, like strong guys, much stronger than me. And I think how, how are they getting, like, if I don't have four, five meals a day, how are they, how are they going into a training session and putting up good numbers? Like, I don't, I don't know if you're the sort of person that can train without eating. I, I have got to train like an hour, like at most after a meal. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, with people posting that, but, mm. uh, yeah, I might have an idea who you're talking about. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very dependent on rest recovery and I, honestly with, with the goals I have and what I want to do, I'm going to have to, do you play video games by chance? Yes, of course. Well, <laughs> this right. is the, uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you know the concept of like min maxing in a video game? Sorry, you know, com like the concept of min maxing in a video game. No, I'm not familiar. It, I came from like, sort of it's like okay, it's like doing putting like a ton of effort in all the small little things. Yeah, um, basically, so that you can get the most out of it. And if I'm if I'm to reach the goals that, like that I have and push like the limits of my human body, then I'm gonna have to do all those little things properly. Um, that's my outlook on it. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's a lot of lifters who are like, oh, I can't put on weight, um, uh, particularly the lighter lifters. I know bigger guys don't really have an issue with it, but like, I'll see like a 75 kilo dude and he's like, oh, I'm trying to go up to the 83s. I can't put on weight. And it's like, and then someone will, I don't know, someone will mention like, are you tracking macros? And they're like, no, I just eat what I'm, I feel like. And I, and I think 
how can you complain about not putting on weight, but then say, oh, I'm not tracking macros or, oh, I felt so shit today in today's session. Um, I didn't eat for eight hours. And it's like, yeah, okay, if you have an excuse, if you're at work or school or whatever. But I know a lot of these guys are at college or whatever. And I know as you might be really busy, but they're still like, I'm at university. So I know there's still time for meals and there's not really an excuse, uh, not really a place to be blaming your performance on your food. Cause at the end of the day, that's what the choices that you made. Um, yeah. and I just see it quite a bit, but, um, yeah, like you said, if you're going to push, like, obviously you want to be the best 80, it's 83, right? You're an 83 kilo. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so obviously you want to be the best 83 kilo eventually. So like you said, why not start now? Why not track macros now? Because then it's only going to, it's only going to get you where you want to be faster. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I found it easier to track when I was at university because of the dining hall. And I just like, yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, and the second thing you mentioned track when I'm at home. Yeah. I sort of like, like, yeah, I trained before this and then I didn't have time to eat. I just quickly jumped on, but like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, um, say, Oh, well, that's why I felt so, sh you know, it's, it's my fault. Um, the second thing you mentioned was the program hopping. One of the points I had, um, was that a lot of people, one of the things I see all the time, um, for example, with Evan Carden, uh, he blocked me. Um, but so I can't see his stuff, but whenever I do see a video of him lifting, it's always one of those like RPE, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like RP 11 singles, you know, Evan. Yeah. Yeah. I was, was going to say, yeah. yeah. Um, the, my program is very conservative where I'm not going over RP eight for like most of the time. But then I see particularly American lifters who are hitting these heavy singles and doubles, like almost every week. Um, like are they, are these, does that sort of thing exist? Like where that programming is, is that heavy that regularly, or are they sort of going off program? Like to your knowledge, I don't, I'm not going to like bring anyone up, of course, but like, a, um, I guess what I'm asking is like your program, you had a heavy double today, right? Yeah. And that's been building up for the whole block. You've been building up on heavy doubles. Yeah. This is the last week of the block. So next week I'll okay. expect a RPE drop and then we'll work back up again. I'm seven and a half, seven weeks out from a meet though. Okay. And, um, yeah, so just, I see a lot of people who are consistently in that high RPE range. Do you prefer to stay more conservative most of the block and then sort of like today go up and hit something really nice, like the 300 kilo double, or do you prefer to stay in that high RPE range to get that competition, uh, like practice in? Well, um, most training and growth will come from any anywhere between the the five to like eight and a half ish rpe range um i mean for the competition lifts for accessories you can push them a little bit harder um at least closer to failure that is uh more often you know of course but um in my opinion you don't really need to be pushing to past rp nine maybe for a single you mm -hmm. can do like singles at eight to nine um they have like a place uh to be for for competition um and that, that'd be closer to a meet um but i think i think what you're talking about what would either 
where, where you see uh, Americans uh, pushing closer to, um, you know, like RP 910, either they're going off program or mm. um, it, it's like it's like how I said that they have a higher intensity at the end. Like it's their end of the block and maybe they push uh, maybe their coach has, you know, like a, like a triple or double at RP9, or maybe it was supposed to be at like eight and they pushed it to nine, which mm. sometimes is okay. You know, if you feel good on the day, maybe you want to take advantage of it, but it's something not encouraged all the time and should really only happen like once a block. And yeah. Ideally, you'd keep it to a nothing, but mm. ideally, you could be you'd perfect, but no one's perfect. Mm. I see what I like, I'll see like a a really good lift I'm like oh you know that's awesome like he's super strong and then a few days later or maybe a week later I come back and it's like the, the RP is going up from what looked like an RP single of like nine the next week it's it's heavier and the RP is going up and it seems to it seems to just drag on and on and on I just I don't know I I just it's a shock to me because my my programming has never been never been like that at least for more than one or two weeks yeah, I feel like if you did that for too often, you'd end up just spinning mm. wheels. Yeah, definitely. So, when was your first competition? It was in September, uh, or no, November. Uh, so either September or November. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say September of. Hmm. Twenty nineteen. 2019 yeah. so you were 17 or 18 i had just oh wait no uh september of 2018 yeah so 17 <laughs> yeah I was, I was 17 i just i had just turned 17 my birthday's in august and so you, at that point you've been powerlifting for so you 17 maybe powerlifting for a year yeah powerlifting for uh um close to a year maybe like nine months yeah because i started i started my junior year and then i did my first meet my beginning of senior year so started powerlifting like middle of junior year of high school and then started powerlifting or did the, the meet first year sorry i'm just trying to get the timeline no you're right man um do you remember your uh, first numbers your yeah, number uh, yeah so i let me think uh i think i did 192 which is 424 right 192 squat yeah um yeah pretty close to 450 i think i'm not really too sure i can put the i'll, I'll convert it on the screen after so when it's on youtube it'll have the thing so 192 i don't know how many pounds that is i'm gonna, I'm gonna put it up uh, yeah 192 and a half uh, okay what I, what I got on squat so this this meet was at seventy four. By the way, I was seventeen and oh wow, yeah, yeah, um, yes, um, and I'll give give a little backstory because this is where I when I hired my coach. Yeah. Um. So before you start, who is your coach? Because when I first saw you, I just assumed that Sean or Joey was coaching you, because they seem to be coaching everyone. Um, who is oh, your coach? No. My coach is uh, Kyle Power. He got third, I believe, at USAPL Nationals, and he won the Arnold. Um, oh, nice. At, yeah, he, he won the USAPL Arnold. 
Uh, he's a 93, um, and I think his best numbers are something around three, 345 on deadlift, um, 307 on squat, or 305 on squat, I think, and then um, like 190, I think like 192 on bench. I just, um, I haven't seen him before. I just got his Instagram up. So he's got 672 squat, 419 bench, and 760 deadlift. So what's that like? Three, yeah, like, yeah, that's exactly 830 yeah, kilo total. The, yeah. 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 Um, and he, he uh, is coached by uh, TSA. I think he, he, he's good friends with Joe. He, he works with them, and I, I love his programming. Yeah. Um, he's worked really well for me and he's helped me a lot with technique yeah so uh, I mean, it, it, if you go on his page you can see his technique is amazing so yeah so um you got a coach how long before your first meet three months three months okay because um i see not so much with powerlifters, but there'll be people who are interested in strength training or bodybuilding or whatever they're always like should i get a coach now i know the answer to the question but what would you say if someone someone's like not too sure if they want to get into it but they know they really enjoy it would you say get a coach or would you say sort of work it out yourself for a while see if you like it then start paying for a coach or would you say I, it was like an essential i would encourage everyone i, I mean I, i'd encourage anyone to get a coach uh but I, i'd also say uh it may not be necessary for a lot of people uh, um It'd be optimal to get a coach, I'd say, mm. but it it isn't necessary if you're not 100% invested yet. You go with a program that uh, I'd recommend doing a little bit of research and finding a program that has worked for a lot of people and a program that is made by an intelligent person, that uh, intelligent, credible person. Mm. I mean, like, I, I see what I did and run like Candido six week, which has worked for a lot of people. That's the one because I know a lot, there's a lot of cookie uh, cutter. Yeah, it's like the beginner program, but I would I would encourage you to. I know there's a lot of cookie st cutter stuff, but I know the Candido six week. I haven't yeah, seen it myself, but I know that that everyone swears by. If you're gonna buy a program off the internet that's not made for you, it's get the Candido six week. I see it all the time. It's free. Oh, it's free. Well, there you go. Um, anyone watching that doesn't have a coach needs a program. Candido Candido yeah. six week is free. Um, I, I went into my first meet mm, without a coach. So I got, I was handled on the day by the guy that is my coach now, but I went into it peaking on a program that was made, you know, Australian strength coach, um, Thor's coach. Yeah. Doesn't he coach, uh, yeah, Thor and, uh, didn't he coach, did he coach like Dylan Hellraiser or? I believe so. Yeah. I went into my first competition on his strongman program. So it had like carries and log press. So not very specific. Um, I still hit PRs, not very specific, not a good program choice. Um, at this point, I didn't know anyone that was a powerlifter. I knew my, I knew of my coach, but sort of just got there myself. And if I was to go back, um, this was a year and a bit ago. If I was to go back, I would just get a coach straight away. As soon as I considered powerlifting, I would have got a coach uh, immediately and sort of not not waited so long because, um, yeah, I just wish I had started earlier, really. 
Yeah, to, to show the effects of a coach, um, they do so much for you if you mm -hmm. find a good coach, technique-wise, and programming that is personalized for you rather than uh, a program that's made for the general population. And that's like the big, that's a huge part of it. Um, but to show the effects of a coach, my max is I hired a coach three months prior to my first meet, uh, which I hired Kyle three months prior to my meet. My max is I maxed right before I um, right before I hired him, I think, and my max would be like 405, 230, and um, 500. And at that meet, I ended up hitting the 424 with a little bit more room to spare. I failed 446, but um, I did two I did 242 uh, on bench, and then. I did jump the, uh, uh, it was easy, but I jumped the pause command. <laughs> yeah, me too. I jumped the rack. I jumped the rack on attempt one and two, and then also on three of my first comp with bench. Just net, I was going into it, like I said, never train powerlifting, and then you get a ref that's making tough calls, and it certainly comes at a huge shock. That's why I sort of like, um, I'm surprised now when I see a lot of good powerlifters who aren't training their competition lifts to competition standards. They'll jump the pause, they won't squat to depth, deadlifts are barely locked out. Um, and then and then it's like on the day, oh, I didn't have the day that I wanted. Um, this meet didn't go as planned. And it's like, well, did you train the competition standards all prep or did you, did you, um, did you sort of jump it a little bit for uh, Instagram posts? And I sort of have a bit of a giggle to myself about that so i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest it might sound a little silly but i just got like at that meet it wasn't even an issue that i hadn't been pausing or the prep i literally just got like in, inexperienced combined with like just getting so hyped mm. for that third uh uh attempt i i just i forgot to pause mm. it, like yeah. i literally just like touch and go to it and yeah i was like i was like oh yes i got it and then <laughs> I was actually confused when I saw the red light. I was like, oh, yeah, wait, I have to pause. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was terrified at my first meet. There was no hype for me. I was, there was big guys there and I was new. I was terrified. So we sound like we had different experiences at our first meet. Um, so then on deadlift, uh, I did 255 or 562. And that was actually at the time a... Uh, there was no national refs there, so it didn't count. But that was mm -hmm. a that was two and a half kilograms over the team, the team two, 16 to 17, 74 kilogram uh, American record by James English. Do you know what that is in kilos, or roughly? What did you say it was uh, in pounds? Two two fifty five or five sixty two. Oh, five sixty is what like two. 255 yeah okay um and then so your first competition you had unofficial records as a 74 yeah that's that's certainly so, a str yeah i knew i so i knew i had potential then and um for this that that was uh i had plans to do just was when i really took powerlifting seriously i should say uh when, when i when i proved that to myself i was like wow okay maybe i do have potential in the sport and i had plans to do uh track my senior year but um i i went to a few practices and started seeing really really bad knee tendonitis from squatting from powerlifting and 
trying to sprint at the same time mm. and um it, it just wasn't uh an option and uh it was a huge chance and i had a lot of people t- telling me that it wasn't it wasn't the best thing to do but uh, um i knew it's what i liked and i knew i, I loved it and i and i saw myself uh saw more potential in it and i saw myself doing it for much longer i decided to take a chance on it uh and then my next meet was high school nationals and i ended up winning that and that's when i really proved myself like okay this was a good decision yeah so at the time it was sort of like what am i going to be better at what do i want to do for longer and then it sort of just came down to that between track and powerlifting obviously yeah yeah um also i um i think it was track that was injuring my knee more than powerlifting yeah um yeah so i i I, I had to stop yeah and at this point like um so what was that for three or three years ago yeah yeah so i know like Like two years two years ago okay in australia the sport isn't that big like for example we would never have a high school that that doesn't exist i didn't know about powerlifting i'd never heard of it um until my senior year um but it sounds like it's quite a lot bigger in america at least as at least with juniors at least um in high school and stuff yeah yeah, uh, I'd say it is in specific in specific uh, parts of the country, in specific states. Yeah, it is. Uh, Why do you think now? Texas. One of my think one of my questions. Sorry, man, it's the connections a bit slow, so I'm interrupting by yeah, accident. Um, the sport, obviously, it's a small sport right now. Um, do you think? Well, I have a few. I have a few things that I wrote that I thought might be holding the sport back. What do you think? gives powerlifting like a bad rep and sort of slows down the growth of the sport that's a good question um i, I think I've, I've thought about this before um so i, th- I think uh maybe the presentation of meats um as in like they're 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 not so to give an example world's strongest man is kind of um i think it's live stream it's live streamed and you can watch it live but most people so so a few months later they take all the footage and they make like a summary summary version of it that's like back-to-back action i think there should be something like that for like nationals or worlds rather than you know having a watch live you could like oh you could have a have a edited episode where Mm. all the action happens at once yeah obviously and obviously in strongman the there's no testing so um there's going to be dudes putting up like 450 deadlifts and that sort of thing i think one of the reasons um obviously the ipf is very strict with the testing random testing um like i've seen russ's videos where he'll be at the gym and he's like oh there's ipf reps outside they want to test me um i think maybe um maybe strongman and that sort of thing has more of a because to to a person who isn't interested in either sports right you're just you don't maybe you've been lifting a little bit you don't want to see you probably prefer to see thor or eddie hall over 400 kilo deadlifts compared to like a 66 kilo guy pulling sumo like no hate on any of that sort of thing but i think it's certainly more 
to, to an untrained eye, it's certainly more impressive, even though the 66 kilo might be pulling four times body weight and Eddie was only pulling like two and a half times body weight. I think that's certainly an issue. Not an issue, but one of the reasons. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It was just, it was just one thing that may help. Um, another thing was probably, probably, probably be getting rid of all the federations that don't hold uh, their lifts to standard. Just yeah. eliminate them. Just get rid of them. Mm. Just be gone. Just don't, yeah. even, don't even... I, like, like, for federations like RPS that... Not all RPS meets are bad, but like, like RPS and like metal militia powerlifting and... and, and... <laughs> um, <laughs> funny you say that, because recently, I don't know if you saw the account that they thought Garrett Fear made, the... Is it Jester of the Lifts? That, yeah, that I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Um, like, I, I just... It, it doesn't make sense to me, you know? Mm. I think, like, squatting high, whether it's just a normal gym goer or a powerlifter, like, squatting high is frowned upon. It's I've read stuff that say squatting yeah. above depth is, like, worse for your knees, and I don't know if that's true, but, like... And it's just... you. You see it everywhere, but I think when, and in a gym, someone squats high, it's like, okay, maybe they don't care. Um, when I've seen powerlifters squat high, I think maybe they don't realize, um, like when I've seen it in person, but then you see it to competition in a competition and either they, they're squatting high and they're just ignorant of it. Like they get red lighted, but they squat high. And what, obviously that's bad for the sport, but then you get some people who, in like the federations that you mentioned squat high and they get white lights and then i just think it's i think it's rude to everyone that does squat to depth because obviously it's harder to squat to depth yeah um and they're getting away with it and those guys they pretend like it's equivalent to the real lift yeah absolutely they 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 compare themselves um i know when garrett was saying oh, i didn't make that account the guy was sort of defending himself like he didn't realize that he was squatting high like i don't even know the guy's name but they you would think even after the meet you sort of look back and be like okay i squatted high and i know there has been in the ipf people who have challenged their own squat afterward because they thought "Mm, i shouldn't have been allowed that oh yeah um maybe it was not the ipf but it was I think his name is his username is Big Pal or something. Uh, wasn't it? Uh... Okay, I think I think Herbie Herbie the Love Bug hmm. or like Herbie Herbie. You know you know what I'm talking about like his, his yeah his I know the handle Herbie yeah the Love Bug or something yeah like that, you know like for the, the show. Hmm. Um, I think he did the same thing or Andrew Herbert I think is his name yeah I think he did the same thing uh, yeah when. He competed at uh, uh, Re- or not Reebok, uh, Slingshot Record Breakers, and he like squatted a world record and it was a little high. Mm. And I think he admitted that it was high. That's and that it shouldn't. That's awesome because that's um, it shows that there's still that's that like incredible length of integrity. That would take a lot to turn around after setting a world record and be like, ah, oh, um, I didn't deserve. I didn't really yeah. deserve that. Um, I think a couple other th- things that I thought maybe. Um, that just going based off the King of the Lifts comment section, which is always yeah. fun, uh, especially when Sean gets posted. Um, I'm yeah. always always stick around and check the comments a few hours later. Um, the I, two- I feel like 
um, one thought here. I feel like sometimes, you know, with a ma- like if you see a mass collective of, of thoughts uh, about like certain lifts, uh, they, they can matter. But I feel like some comments that are left on those pages are just just should be dismissed. They're not. Yeah. You know, like yeah, some are just. Nonsense. If you like, I um, for example, Sean's first five hundred pound bench, um, yeah. that got posted on King of the Lifts that blew up, um, obviously because it's a great lift, but also because of the comments. And when I was sort of scrolling through, and the people that are commenting, some of them were good powerlifters, and by I don't mean like they were strong guys, and they were mm-hmm. proper competitive powerlifters who are dissing Sean. Um, and I think even within the sport, like definitely outside of the sport, there are people who are annoyed at arching, but even within the sport, there are people who still comment, oh, do it with a flat back or stop arching. And I just think, I think that's sort of people's view on arching is sort of holding the sport back because obviously the top powerlifters, they want to have that arch. If they can, they will do it because it helps. Um... I think I, I personally think that the hate on the arching is unnecessary and if I could arch like Sean I would um, but some people seem to think that yeah. it's a negative thing yeah um, I think when I first started uh, I think Sean has even said this himself that um, when he when he first started powerlifting he saw people with big arches and he, he disliked them himself and mm. and uh, I think I, I felt the same. I was like, wow, this is, this is interesting. But I, I, I've grown to, you know, back to the course now I have a pretty big arch. Um, mm. My range of motion is always going to be big because my lar- my arms are long. But, um, yeah. Um, I, I think it, if for someone that th- thinks, uh, it's, it's hard to come up with a solution, mm. I'd say. I've read comments that are like, oh, the the – the elbow needs to come to a certain degree of flexion and because yeah. obviously when someone like sean the there's not much of a degree of flexion in his elbow because just because of his positioning um but that sort of i think that would be complicating this well i personally think that if it's within the rules like sean's back is on the bench his feet are flat his bum is on the bench if if that's if you're doing that no matter how big your arch are i it is i think that's perfectly fine and it shouldn't change at all. But there are certainly a lot of people who seem to think it's a problem. So in my eyes, what I think, um, I, I've gotten to a point where all I care about is the numbers. Mm, yeah. All I care about is weight on the bar, you know, uh, like, and, and when I look at a lift, as long as it's just standard, I only see the number on the bar. Uh, it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, that's the whole goal. It's only to do it on platform. And if it's allowed on the platform, why not do it? Same thing with sumo. I know obviously that gets a lot of hate. Um, You've probably had comments on your posts or posts of you that are like sumo or whatever. Um, Do you get that often? Uh, Yeah. Hmm. No, uh kind of in off maybe on king lift sometimes uh but but yeah what i was really trying to say is that like no matter the technique no matter the form um like i just see a number as a number and if it's really impressive as long as it's a standard i'm like wow that was that was crazy even if 
it has you know bad even if someone has knee cave or something or or if someone you know has a really big arch i'll be like wow that was that's a that's a huge number it's crazy that you can do that and i, and I think uh like a part of this part of the sport and getting even if some people don't see it as stronger like um is just optimizing optimizing the uh optimizing the lifts and um if you're in a position that produces more force then well you have the right to get into that position and use it to your advantage mm. i think sean said um it's not just about um what number it is it's also manipulating yourself into the best position possible to complete that lift um and yeah. i think that's important yeah, yeah, yeah. it's what positioning is going to work for you so i'm six three i have relatively average arms so i know my bench is probably always going to be more impressive than my deadlift because i know that i'm tall with average arms so bench is not easy for me because you know long legs still um is hard with bench but um i know that i've got to sort of just get over that because i see a lot of the time people oh i'm i have short arms or i have long arms or i'm too tall or i'm too short you know and it's sort of like yeah but we're all sort of going through that in our own way you just have to manipulate yourself into the best position possible um yeah. i think and for example obviously sumo uh when, well actually when did you swap from conventional because you said you pulled conventional at your first first time in the gym when did you sort of swap to sumo yeah uh well i didn't deadlift for the longest time i only squatted and benched for like a really long time and it, it, um it wasn't until football that i really started deadlifting and i didn't actually do just uh deadlifts we had we did trap bar deadlifts which um you know probably safer for an uh, you know, because their prior their mm. priority isn't really like you know doing a deadlift. It's getting better. It's just exercising and for for the sport. But anyways, um, and then then I started like uh, I think I went to my friend's house one time and he had a gym in his basement. He's like, hey, let's uh, max out on deadlift for fun. And mm. I was like, okay. I saw sumo. I saw I, think I saw like 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 Jim Shark, like David Late or someone do sumo because mm. that was like the like you know yeah it was huge back then and he was run he was running the fitness yeah, industry um, in 2017 yeah he yeah he was he's a little off the rails now but uh mm. <laughs> i wish he would come back i wish he would i know he's trying to fix his shoulder and that sort of thing i wish i'd love to see him and dylan um making videos again together and him actually hitting because he's insanely strong like he had the 700 pound deadlift at whatever body weight um, back in the day when he used to uh -oh. used to deadlift. Yeah, but like from, from the from that's where I discovered seeing was from them, and I'm like, okay, you know, uh, sure, we'll we'll try it out. And I think I I got like three forty five time. Yeah. And so your first sumo was it better than your sumo was three forty five. And was that better than your conventional or or less at the time? I had no clue what my conventional was. Oh, so you just went straight yeah, in and maxed out on like, sumo? Yeah, I think I I did like. I remember I have a video of me doing like two ninety five for a three by six too at the time, which is like pretty pretty close. I think I think when I did that, my my sumo max like four hundred five though. That's roughly, 
that sort of adds up to be about the same, I guess. You can uh, put... yeah, same-ish, a little bit yeah, less. Yeah, yeah. So, what are, what are your... Obviously, you've been training for a little while now. Um, I see a lot of... I've been asked a couple of times, like, what goals should I set and um, what weight category should I be? And it's like, what do you think? Like, obviously, you have your own goals. Um, and do you think that it's a healthy thing to set number goals? Like, for example, last year, I set number goals... Uh, I think I was off by like two and a half kilos, but it was still a massive jump. Do you think that it's just, oh, I should see progression or should I set number goals? Because I think in my opinion, setting, setting, I want to progress this year, for example, that is immediately setting yourself up to fail, not fail, but because as soon as you progress, yeah, as soon as you progress, you've progressed. That's your new year's resolution. That's your goal for the year and you've done it already. Whereas I think, and I want to know your opinion. I think setting numbers, like I have my numbers up on the wall here. I've got two, 250 squat, 190 bench, uh, 290 deadlift. I've written up on my wall here for 2021. You know, uh, I, I, uh, I used to do that. I used to uh, take like a notepad. I had like a little notepad. And I, I just like, I took a piece of tape and stuck it to my mirror. And I looked like for high school nationals prep, when I was really into my mind things. Um, I was like, I wake up every day and I see those numbers and mm. I must hit them. Uh, that is exactly what is a bit of a different approach. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly yeah, what I'm doing here. Sticky tape. Yeah. I take a little bit of a different approach nowadays um, where I set goals in different layers. Um, whereas like, uh, well, each time I get a new block of programming, a new month of programming for my coach, I, I look at, uh, you know, the last week of the block and I'm like, okay, I plan out every single program, basically like I program how I'm going to work up to whatever goal I set at the, the end of the block. So the, so the goal of this block for deadlifts was the 650 triple, which I ended up doing 660, which is great. The goal was 650. So the week before I did 633, week before 617. And then the week before that um, was a deload. So I think I only did like 550 um, because I the deload. Um, but I plan. I planned each of those days in advance, and that that was kind of the the. Um, that's kind of what I do every time I see a new set of programming. It's, I I set a general plan for each day, and um, with, with the goal be, being hitting something at the end of the four week. So it's more of like a micro sort of progressional uh, goal. I think that's actually a really good way to look at it. Now, I get I get my programming weekly. And I have a, a pretty good idea of the end, but that's actually, I really, really like that um, because it's it's easy to get sort of sort of fall behind week to week when you have, I have a goal for December, right? So right now I'm not really thinking about December. I know what I have to do to get to those goals, but I think the way that you're doing it with sort of every four weeks or every eight weeks you have a goal yeah. and you sort of work backwards. I really like that. Yeah. Um, so I like I have a meet in seven weeks, but uh, I won't, I really only focus on one block at a time because I know that like setting the goals for that block will get me to the goals. I know the actual number of goals I have set for the meet. Whereas I, I don't really like go into a workout thinking like, man, I gotta crush this so I can hit that goal, hit my max out goal. Mm, yeah. That's why I think it's important to have both the. We're in oh, yeah. programming, having that RPE range, but also if your coach sets you an RPE, they might want to set you 
a range as well because I know, for example, you have a terrible day. You're going to go into that session where you sort of that you know what numbers you need to hit, but if it's an RPE, you might be way off. And I think people get a little bit too caught up in either the RPE range or the some people don't have RPE in their program, so it's strictly numbers. And I think I think it's good to have a mix of both. Yeah, so so if if you have a bad day, uh, someone just has to understand that like, well, if if it's a bad day, then then just take what's there. Um, that doesn't that doesn't diminish the strength. If if let's say last week went really well, but now the day that was supposed to go well went bad. Well, the, your strength hasn't just disappeared all of a sudden. It's just a bad day. And a lot of I, th I find a lot of sub juniors like younger lifters um and even some older lifters um but mostly younger lifters uh get into their head too much when when a bad day happens mm. it's like not your, your strength hasn't magically disappeared you're just fatigued i mean like if you're like six seven weeks out from a competition you should expect some fatigue unless you're um you know unless you're you've got an amazing work capacity or like your recovery is on point you know but um usually that's not that's probably never going to be the case uh, mm. i mean prep should be hard so yeah i think um i see like a lot of people there they'll um go in and maybe they have an rpe and um and eight or seven or whatever and they're like oh i felt like shit today i just took it easy and i think there's a time and a place um to make that judgment call where it's like yeah i feel really bad today but if i um sort of get myself in that mindset where yeah i feel bad but i still need to hit these numbers so i sort of get hyped up and um sort of I, I personally i like manifest stuff a lot so if i if i feel bad i'm like okay i feel bad today but i still need to hit this number um so i'm just gonna forget how i feel and sort of just still go for that what needs to be done essentially i think yeah, like sometimes like, that works mm. i think like you said people get sorry man yeah. <laughs> sorry um i think yeah people get yeah, caught no, up I, in that so i think so <laughs> all right i'm gonna stop hang on okay. all right you go the the connection is obviously um very yeah. uh quite a bit of a delay <laughs> yeah so what I, what I was trying to say what i'm gonna say is uh i think there's a time and place to like forget that and just like uh like go ham even when you feel bad like like yesterday uh i didn't really feel like the hottest but i knew it was like man i i know it's gonna be there if i just push through but sometimes you gotta recognize if you're really like in a deep state of fatigue, um, pushing hard when you shouldn't is just gonna dig you into a hole that you don't want to be in. Whereas you could just chill on that day and then have your other, like let's say your other squat day can, the performance of that day will blow up and you can take that for the week as your like high performance day. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's- um... I'm gonna guess that most people are squatting and deadlifting quite more than once a week i think uh, like i've been training yeah, now for, chances to have a high performance day exactly i think i've been training now long enough so like three years where um and i've been my, with my coach for over a year now where i sort of can make that judgment call which took me a really long time to get used to where it's like my coach for example my coach is a physio so i can't like when he's at work i can't contact him it's not 24 7 contact he has a job yeah. um which is obviously understandable. Um, so during a session, I might have to make a judgment call without his advice um, based off how I'm feeling. And I think that's a, a good thing for lifters to be able to do, especially young guys, um, to just 
learn to make that call. So, oh, I overshot that first set by a heap. Maybe I won't do the fourth set. I'll just leave it at three or um, I'll maybe go a little bit easier on my Larson press because my I overshot my bench press, just for example. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a really good thing. And I'm obviously, I'm not the best at it, but getting used to it now. And do you do that same sort of thing? Um, I, I've, I, I'm pretty good with that. Uh, with years, I mean, two years of experience with RP now and RP training, I, I, I've got it pretty down. Um, the, the way I would introduce it to someone who is new to RP uh, would, would be like, let's say if they're overshooting or maybe some people even undershoot, um, they're, 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 they could do more than they think they can. Um, I'll basically just tell them, I mean, I have a lot of free time on my hand right now. Um, I, I'm a nursing student, but uh, usually I, I have my, whatever. Um, but uh, I mean, I can give them some of the percentage work uh, so that they don't have to rely on RP as much, or um, I can have them send their warmups and I can choose their weight for them. And uh, then they'll learn uh, over time what a certain certain RPs feel like, and then they can learn themselves to select which weight they need. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things I read recently was um, as a coach, now I coach a couple of guys, nothing to like no competitive powerlifters, but um, one of the things I read was you as a coach, you need to give the lifter just enough information so that when they figure it out, it's like they figured it out and not that you've essentially told them, but you've sort of just given them just enough where they can go and figure that out for themselves. And I think what you just said is sort of an example of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it, uh, RP is most valuable when you know when when a person is aware of their own, mm. whether it's undershooting or overshooting, or yeah. if someone has a problem with undershooting or overshooting. So um, I, I had a client recently who, who didn't know they could deadlift as much as they could, basically. And uh, so I, I made sure to call his warm up so that he wasn't undershooting and we got a better understanding of his of where an rp 7 8 falls for him uh ra rather than him undershooting yeah because, uh, i was able to call his numbers and sorry um so your coaching um is your plan to sort of keep growing that or like you said you're a nursing student so do you plan on doing both yeah or like what's the goal really as of right now they're kind of like I would love, <clears throat> I, I, I put a lot of effort into coaching and expanding my knowledge constantly. And, um, as a student, like, uh, I can't always be, you know, like studying and reading books, but, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly like, I'm doing as much as I can basically to keep finding out more. And I put hundred uh, percent, into my, uh, athletes, um, technique wise teaching technique. I feel pretty confident in that end. Um, it, it's just, I need more knowledge on, um, the program side of things I, I feel. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, I see, um, a lot of, yeah. 
I'd say I'm pretty confident in my programming. I'm confident in my programming. I just want to know every single thing for every single situation that could ever happen. And, you know, I'm just trying to kind of fill in any gaps I have. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I think um, I see like um, newer, not new, like younger coaches and it's sort of, they'd be coaching, helping out their friend and that's great. That's sort of what I'm doing. The, I know all the guys personally before coaching them. So I sort of said, hey, like I'm not qualified in, in any professional way, but I know a little bit. I've been training for a few years. I can give you a hand with it. And I think that's perfectly fine. I think it only becomes an issue where these say, if I was to sort of step out of my zone and sort of, sort of um, promote myself as some great coach and yeah. i think it's it's certainly uh it's good to know it's good to know your place as a as a coach as a new coach yeah so uh in response to that i i'm taking things kind of slowly i have a, I have a limited i only i'm only coaching four people right now uh, mm. i'm looking for i i wasn't referring to you i yeah i wasn't referring to you just then with what i was saying but yeah oh yeah i i know you weren't I, i'm just um I'm just going to give a little bit more uh, transparency on my end. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and um, I'd right now I, I'm keeping it small so that I can build up the reputation that what I do. I try and market myself as something great and um, I keep my prices low. Yeah, yeah, exactly the same. Yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Um, other than coaching, what are your, your sort of, obviously you have goals. We spoke about this before, but long-term you're an 83 kilo lifter. Um, so I assume you want to be at the top. Yeah. What are your, what are your goals other than that? Obviously. Oh, well, so I told you about my, uh, my goals and I, and I said, um, I said, um, short-term goals like I told you but uh, I basically set set goals on three different levels so like the first level would be you know from month to month the second level will be from like meet to meet just the pure numbers of what I want in between meets um, and I do that at the end of every meet. after I do a meet I immediately set goals for the next one um, I don't yeah even, it's like it's like just instantly in my head uh, it's not like oh like oh okay yeah I think I want to do this like it's just it's really instant um, I start immediately thinking about the next one. Yeah, so basically, I'm just putting uh, as much effort into it as possible for right now. I, I get as a coach as I can, so I can expand later. Um, I'd love to uh, get to a point where coaching could be a career. Uh, mm. It could be a full-time thing. I could, I could, my, I could support myself fully through coaching. That'd be fantastic because I love powerlifting and I like helping people and. Coaching has been really rewarding so far, and I mm. and I do like it. And um, mm. and something uh, that I was worried about was that I was going to start coaching, and I wasn't going to like it. Something like um, but I, I I really like it so far. Um, and I'm putting a lot of effort into it, and I really want to be the best coach I can. Um. Um. But as of right now, I am a nursing student. They're, they're kind of backups for each other, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah. well, I want to make, I want to take advantage of my education, and if I can get a 
job as a nurse, then, you know, I, I'm going to need that. But um, at the same time, point where I can expand my coaching so much that I can support myself through it, that is also amazing. They're, they're both two things that I, I'd like doing. Um, but I feel like I, I'd love to be a full-time coach, though. I think that's definitely the way to go. I think people get too invested in one thing or the other. So you've got to keep your options open, especially, I mean, you're only 19, so still young, but uh, I'd imagine working as a nurse and coaching probably wouldn't work out for too yeah. long, just because I know nurses have super long hours sometimes. Yeah. If anything, it'd have to just remain as like a side thing. And, and I wouldn't have many clients, um, so, so, um, I mean, the goal would be to finish my degree, um, of course, yeah. trying to build up a clientele over time. Um, and, and then at that point decide whether I want to fully, um, commit to coaching or a nurse, or I can never really tell what the future holds. Maybe, maybe over the summer, my co co coaching clientele blows up or maybe, or some, sometime around the line, I just, but, uh, I can never, I can't really say that for certain. So I'm just going to keep on going as right now. Cause things are going well right now. Well, I assume you didn't expect to have a three American records and a huge, uh, huge total. So I, I'm right. assuming you didn't expect that. No, no, I, no. So yeah, well, I mean, uh, are you, do you have more space for people right now? Uh, I have a few, yeah, I'd say. I, I, I think I'm like probably two or three people maybe right now. Hear that everyone? Um, two or three more people. Coach from America's best 83 kilo junior. I just made that up, I'm, is that correct? Um, there's maybe like one guy, but I mean, I, junior is a big division, mm. like 20, 20 to 23, so. Um, is, so that's one thing I was confused about sub junior is because I thought it was and you were a junior when you turned 18 in the IPF are you a junior until you're 20 oh yeah that's so confusing a sub junior sorry yeah I think so junior in America is like 20 in junior in USAPL is 20 to 23 but at a world level it's 19 to 23 okay so okay so I am a sub junior at 18 and you're a junior at 19 yeah but the thing is, if you were to do nationals and win nationals, you wouldn't go to sub-junior worlds because you have to be like 17 to go to sub-junior worlds, which is, so like, so like if you were a 23-year-old junior, you wouldn't go to worlds. But if you're 22, you could. That is strange. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know the full rules behind that, but that's like relatively how it works. Uh, I don't know. It's really confusing. There's like confusing little like caveats to it too. Mm. I yeah item uh i follow quite a bit of obviously quite a lot of 83s but i'd imagine is alex the closest to you right now i know he's a year younger than you yeah so sador is definitely up there there's also seth jisuki yeah who's really strong uh shane nutt and uh anthony fazio um and then there's also nico flores who is a junior but i think he is in that i think he's 23 so i don't think he can go to worlds even if he beats me but he will probably close he's gonna total 800 soon okay and what's your total at right now my best total is 740 and a half at uh which i did in october and he's gonna total 800 
Yeah, but I think he's 23. He's older, yeah. Okay, well, yeah. Oh, well, uh, one day at the top, I assume. That's your goal. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll have to... I, um, I've spoken to Alex and he said he's keen, so I'll have him on um, speak to him. But yeah, um, it's been really... I, uh, it's been going... We've been on for probably an hour and a half now. It's been awesome having you yeah. on, man. I'll, I'll let you go. Um, it's yeah. been really, really good to talk to you. Uh, I hope... I hope everyone is enjoying, uh, has enjoyed watching this. Um, I know I've enjoyed hearing your opinion on stuff, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah, have me on again. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sure we'll um, think of different topics for next time, and I'll have you on again. Yeah. Thanks uh, heaps, man. Yeah, I enjoyed being on. I enjoyed talking. So yeah, it was great. Record. Allowing but, me to be your first guest too. Yeah, I think I think um, so. The whole idea behind the podcast, and I might clip this for uh, Instagram. The whole idea was, I was just listening to a podcast, um, Tiny Meat Gang. I don't know if anyone knows that. Um, and I sort of was thinking about. I'd, I'd just seen a post on Rising Lifters, and I sort of like put two and two together. I thought, now I know um, Angelo has a great podcast. Um, and there's obviously King of the Lifts, but I thought, and I looked through Angelo's, um, thing and I had a look at Joey Flex and Russ and Sean and they're, they're all juniors or opens. And I thought, I just saw the gap and I was like, no one is, to, to my knowledge, no one is, um, doing the same sort of thing with teenagers. Um, yeah. you haven't been on one before. I've done uh, a podcast yeah uh, or at least anything similar with powerlifting this sort of thing uh maybe maybe one yeah one or two well yeah so i've seen like um sort of saw a gap and i thought i thought i would be interested in doing it i haven't heard of one um i don't i don't know if there is any others but i thought yeah that saw the gap and i was like yeah that'd be interesting to listen to so i thought may as well just make it myself i've got a camera I've got a light, I got the mic, so I thought I'll do it myself. And if people want to come on, I was sort of surprised when um, you responded and Alex responded so quickly, said, yeah, um, I asked Brandon Striegel, I think his last name is. He's like, yeah, yeah. he said he was keen. Um, Isaac Whistler. And I know those guys are a little bit older, but I thought, yeah, um, even just to entertain myself, if no one else wants to watch, that's cool. But um, yeah, it's fun for me, so... Yeah, um, but yeah, I'll definitely have you on again. And there's obviously stuff that we didn't talk about. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah,